Welcome to North Star Blue, brought to you by the Crow Wing County, Minnesota DFL. Your host is Communications Director Denise Slipey. So, Jen, introduce yourself. Let's get to know you. Wonderful. Well, really uh, glad to be here with Denise and Kim. Thanks for kicking off this podcast. This is ex really exciting. Um, again, my name's Jen Schultz, and I am running for U.S. Congress in the 8th Congressional District. And just to introduce myself, I'm a mom of two teenage boys. My husband of, uh, wow, 20 years is a criminologist, which is really exciting. He gets to like ride along with police and study interesting things. And I'm a teacher of economics at UMD. I served in the Minnesota State Legislature for eight years, representing half the city of Duluth. I also served as a Great Lakes Commissioner for eight years uh, with the role to protect the Great Lakes and its watershed. I uh, love to hang out with my family. I have two very energetic uh, teenage boys boys that love to hike, uh, do a lot of reading. I try to play tennis um, and my son's trying to teach me how to play the guitar and when I have time. Um, but I, you know, I, I grew up uh, being raised by a single mom. I have an older sister and my grandfather came to the United States from Friesland, which is Northern Holland at age 14. Uh, he was from a very poor family and um, they came over, they scraped together money, they bought some land. He was a farmer. So I grew up spending a lot of time as a young girl on their farm, helping out picking raspberries, taking care of the cows and chickens, pulling weeds. Um, uh, my mother, uh, you know, we relied on housing assistance when she went back to school to get her, finish her college degree, trying to raise two girls. Uh, we had had free school lunch. I knew how important it was to go to college and to get an education. So I was lucky to get some scholarships, but also government Pell grants. Um, and without those things, I would have never been able to afford college and be where I am today. So I'm really grateful for that government assistance. Uh, but I worked my way through college. I worked at a grocery store, was a waitress, worked as a work study student in college at the Department of English. So I know I know what it's like to be poor, but I, to work hard and to accomplish things and have been really fortunate in my life. Breaking that stigma, right, of the the nature versus nurture, because you can you can step away and break that cycle and make your own choices to to give yourself a better future. The hand up, not necessarily a handout. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have never had those opportunities to go to college without the help a scholarship from um, a wealthy family in my small community where I grew up uh, that was based on merit, but also income. And then the Pell Grant, which you don't have to pay back. It's a government grant. And, you know, when I went to college, it wasn't as expensive as it is now. I don't think I would have been able to afford college today. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I initially ran for office was to help students and make sure those opportunities were available to everybody. Right. And I'm so glad you're running because I think you are relatable and you're one of us, right? So you've climbed up the ladder and, and fought your way to where you're at. And I think um, once people get to know you, you know, they'll really understand how well you will represent them, not your self-serving interests, but rather like, tell us why you're running. I know you said you wanted to run to help with which 
like education costs, but what else drives you to to run? Well, it was never on my bucket list, but <laughs> in uh, 2014, I was working with Representative Tom Huntley, a state legislator on healthcare reform, which is one of my areas of expertise. Um, and I was at, he was going to retire after a 20-year career in the state legislature. And I uh, considered is someone asked me if I wanted to run and I had to, you know, my two, our two boys were young at the time. So I thought, well, let me talk to my husband. Uh, he's probably going to say no, because our kids are so young, but he, it was the opposite. He's like, oh my God, Jen, you would be awesome at that. He encouraged me to run. And I did it without giving it a lot of thought because I was super excited about the possibility of continuing this work on healthcare reform that Tom Huntley had started um, to really make an impact at the state level because nothing much was happening at the federal level, um, really just to give back to my community and to um, you know, people that had helped me succeed through government assistance. And the other thing that was happening at the time was UMD was really struggling financially. And I had found out that UMD uh, received the lowest state funding per student of any institution in the, in the state. And I thought I can really help work on that issue now that I know about it. Um, so that was really motivating me to run initially. And I'm so glad I did. I had no idea what I was doing um, at first. <laughs> I didn't have anybody, any team when I announced, but everything came together. And since that time, you know, I overwhelmingly have won every election by a large margin because people see the results I was able to do at the state level and work across the aisle. I, I only served in a divided government, so really work closely with my uh, Republican friends and colleagues at the state legislature. So it was, you know, being a mom is a very rewarding. Being a teacher is rewarding. But wow, when you can make an impact on so many lives across the state, it was the best thing uh, I ever did after being a mom. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Give us three people who have been the, and it doesn't have to be three, it can be one or two, but three people that have been the biggest influence in your life professionally. Well, I, uh, both professionally and personally, I just have to say the biggest uh, impact that anyone has ever made, biggest influence is my mother. Uh, she's really been my inspiration um, because she showed me that I could do anything I wanted to do and it would just take perseverance. That was the key. So she really drove that home. You know, I watched her raise me and my sister and she, you know, struggled to provide but finished college by working hard. And she was a, she's a strong woman, and she cared a lot about her community. In fact, in the early 70s, she ran for city clerk when, at the time, that was so unusual to have a young mother uh, run for any elected position. She, and she almost won. She didn't win, but she was very involved in politics uh, at the local level and very engaged in issues in politics. So she's been one of the biggest influences in my life. And if I didn't have her... There is no way I would be where I am today um, because being in economics is tough. When I entered the field, it was dominated by a lot of men. There were not many women there. And uh, you have to have really thick skin to um, argue with economists uh, for certain things. But I learned a lot and, and have very thick skin. So I think that served me well in politics. And then when I was in college, I was involved with College Gems. And I remember uh, uh, watching the 1988 DNC convention speech of then governor, late governor Ann Richards. And uh, she was funny. 
and she was strong and she just, I just thought she was amazing. And she always talked about um, the importance of government. And she said something to the effect that government um, is the most pervasive influence in our lives. And, you know, it's the institution that determines the price you pay at the grocery store, what happens when you flip that light switch on and there's electricity, whether your environment is clean, whether or not the garbage is picked up in the morning, all the way to the questions of life and death, and whether or not we will give our, our children and more. That's how pervasive government is. And she, she knew that it could be uh, very influential in a positive way. Um, but she also, you know, there weren't that many women in politics at the time when I was young. And she always, I think she said this quote a lot, but she said, if you give women a chance, we can perform. After all, Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in high heels. And I think that's Absolutely. what she saying. <laughs> But so she was a big influence. And then locally, um, politically, um, I've always had a great respect for our current Senator Amy Klobuchar. You know, she's not only hardworking and smart and likable, but she's also funny, like uh, Mm -hmm. Governor Ann Richards. And she knows how to get things done. She knows how to work across the aisle. We had similar backgrounds. We both had fathers who suffered from alcoholism and, you know, that affects the whole family, but we both have really strong heads and soft hearts. And so it's been fun to watch her succeed and, um, you know, have her as a role model. And I'm going to add one more, but it's late Senator Paul Wellstone. Um, I, I really miss him. And I always question like, what would Paul do in this situation? But he always fought for our Minnesota values, um, you know. And we're, you know, we're both college. We were both we're both college teachers. I think I feel like both underdogs, but um, both strong supporters of labor and working families for the little guy, you know. And he worked hard, and he never compromised his values. And he said what had to be said out loud. And I have so much respect for him. Yes, and uh, wish he was with us today. I do too. Yes. And I think it's really interesting that three of the four were women, because I think that's really important for young women growing up to see women like you, you know, really, you know, putting yourself out there. And I think it's important. You know, I I hear stories of my mom when she was, you know, coming into the workforce and being asked, well, what does your husband do? And well, what if you get pregnant? You know, you lost your job back in those days if, if you were trying to start a family. So I, I just think finding strong women for us to look up to like you is is really important. It is really important. But, you know, even when I ran, though, in 2014 and I was started um, office in 2015, I had women ask me, like, how can you do this, Jen? You have such young children. So even then I'm, we were getting pushed back yes. to be in political life. But now things I mean, look at the St. Paul City Council, all women. So yeah. things are things are changing. And part of me, you know, the econ in me says, well, maybe it's because we don't pay high salaries to go be elected anymore so that men don't want to do it anymore because, it, you know, they can't get paid enough to support their family. We have to make sure we value this service and that we make sure public servants are compensated for their time. Otherwise, we're not you may not be able to attract people, only maybe wealthy people or retired people. And we want, you know, really diverse elected officials. So we want to make sure that opportunity is available to everybody. Right. And when they say, how can you do that with young children? You're like, that's why I'm doing it for my children, you know, so you have a really big motivator to make this world a better place. We all do. 
you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's no way I could do what I do. Uh, you know, my husband is so supportive. I've been really, really fortunate to have him in my life to take care of everything. When I'm, when I was in St. Paul, um, you know, he took over everything. He did everything. He was like, he was a single dad. Um, when I was down in the legislature during the week. Yeah. Not to take anything away from the wonderful men in our lives, because we have wonderful men and there are great men, but I really truly think that women are going to be the ones to get us out of this mess. <laughs> you know, so. the men have put us in it. It's going to take women to fix it. <laughs> I, I think yeah, it's time for more women to get involved politically um, like you. And I think we're going to be the ones to to help turn things around. Yeah, you mentioned Paul Wellstone. So Paul Wellstone's model, uh, in case there's somebody here on this podcast that does not know, but his, his motto was, we all do better when we all do better. And uh, here at the Crow Wing County DFL, we have taken a spin on that, which is when we know better, we do better. And uh, so that's really going to be something that we're pushing. And obviously with Jen Schultz running for Congress, this is going to be our, we know better. So we're going to do better by supporting our congressional candidate down here in, in Crow Wing County and hopefully across CD8. A fun fact, Jen, give us a fun fact. You well, let me just let me go. Let me follow up with what you just said. Yeah, I, think that's, I think getting the information out there, the right information, the truth is going to be really vital this cycle. And, you know, as a nod to Paul Wellstone, um, you know, my motto is when we invest in people, we all do better. And that's what I've been saying, because it's true. When we invest mm -hmm. in people, when we invest in our communities, we all do better. And people need to remember that that is key. Uh, people yes. are key. We need to make sure they have everything they need to succeed in life. But um, a fun fact about me, that was the question. Yes. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> well, let's see. Fun about me. Well, things people don't know. I am really good at like bagging groceries because I worked at a grocery store. And that's come in very handy now that we have all these self-checkouts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, other fun facts about me, you know, I like to, I try to be funny because people take me so seriously as an academic or as an elected official. Uh, I have to work on my delivery. But like when I retire, I want to do some stand-up. <laughs> and try to get better at being funny and make sure people understand that um, that it's a joke and not <laughs> or right. sarcasm. I well, have to laughter is the best medicine. You yes. know, like when we're really stressed out, Denise is really good at getting us all to laugh. You've got to have laughter yes. and a good sense of humor because if you take everything seriously, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we know our um, current congressman is not performing um, for the people. Um, he's performing for the party. What makes you stand out against our incumbent? Well, well we're so different. Um, <laughs> start, right? Where to start? Yes. Where do I start? But I think what makes me uh, unique from other candidates, it's probably my unique skill set. You know, I'm an economist and the top two issues in this country um, are the economy and healthcare. And I'm someone who understands the complexity of our healthcare system and how to fix it. And I've been really fighting to make sure everyone has affordable healthcare and access to the best healthcare possible. But I, unlike our current congressperson, I know how to work with other people from different political parties. I have an eight-year record of doing that and getting things done. 
And I have a, a life experience that I think a lot of people can relate to. I was, I was not from a wealthy family, really from a poor family, I had to work hard. And I know a lot of people can relate to that because a lot of people are doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know how to listen. Um, and I know that I've succeeded in getting a lot done. I think we brought back every project, bonding project, capital investment project in my eight-year career for my community. And that's because I worked, I knew how to work with others to get things done work in divided government. So I think that's how we are mainly different. I mean, Stauber hasn't had one in-person town hall since he's been elected. He doesn't show up in communities. When you go, you have to go to DC to visit him and he doesn't show up there. I remember last this last summer, some high school students with their parents had an appointment with him and he didn't show up. And so um, that's vital when you're the elected to show up for your constituents to listen to what they need and get things done. And he has accomplished absolutely nothing in his three terms. If you put his record up to former Representative Oberstar, um, it's stark because Deborah mm-hmm. has done nothing, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if I was performing that way in my job, I would get fired. So, I mean, yeah. fair is fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not the... Uh... What, if, and all that, it's when you are elected um, for Congress, what will be your top priorities? And I know I, there's, um, so give me, give, give us a, this is your, this is your platform here. <laughs> well, you know, people think, they're often think like, they ask me, what committees do you want to be on? Or what caucuses will you join? But you know what the most important thing is once you're elected is to build relationships. And this is what I learned as a state legislator. It is so vital to get to know everyone you're going to be working with, other elected officials, their staff, local leaders in your district community, that that's how you become effective and get things done. But, you know, we have have seven tribal uh, nations and bands in our district. There's tribal leaders and councils that, that need things need that representation and help at the congressional federal level. So that's what's most important. Like I do want to get things done on healthcare, affordability and access, making sure we have good jobs, helping small businesses succeed. Because when I put on over 30,000 miles, when we ran in 2022, I visited the smallest communities in the district, like Hackensack, Mm -hmm. went up to Bidette to find out what they needed. And they, the small businesses, you know, a pizza shop would open and it would turn around a little community. So it's really important to help those small businesses as well succeed and get them the resources they need. You know, and I had to govern through the pandemic and yeah, get people, right. uh, make sure we were saving lives and um, helping businesses survive through the pandemic. So there's so many issues we need to work on, so many important things around affordable child care and housing. Uh, there's just hundreds of things. And I worked on a lot of issues as a state legislator, but working at the national level, there's just a lot more issues. And parts of our district honestly have been completely neglected. Uh, they yes. just don't have good representation at the state level. Uh, Stauber has voted against, you know, big infrastructure bills that could that we know ended up passing with help from Democrats and President Biden that he voted against. That's now injecting millions of dollars into this district. And when we had Representative Oberstar, I mean, he brought billions of dollars back to the state and the district. And we are really missing opportunities because without those relationships and Stauber's not building any relationships. He, I went to DC a, a month ago and I learned that he's a backbencher 
He just, he's not doing anything. He's not trying to put language in bills to bring back money. And there's a story that um, Oberstar uh, relayed what he did, one of the many, many thousands of accomplishments, but the little town of Finland, uh, Minnesota in our district, wanted a community center. They needed a new community center. And Oberstar went to that community and said, no, I think what you need is a multimodal transportation center because Oberstar was chairing the transportation committee. He's a powerful chair. And they're like, no, we don't need a, we don't need a transport. We, we need a community center. He said, no, I think you need a multimodal transportation center. And he got them the funding for that multimodal transportation center. And it looks a lot like a community center. Those are the things Stauber's not doing. He's not taking the opportunities to put things in bill. And he's, he's in the majority now. He served under Trump as president. So he's had plenty of opportunities and he has nothing to show for it. So um, I am super excited uh, to win and to do the great things that we need done um, for people in our community. And I think I heard the other day that this has been the most ineffective you know, House of Congress in over a hundred years. And he's it is. Bad, and and it really is what you're saying. He's a backbencher and he's not advocating for the interests of the people in the eighth congressional district. He's advocating for his own personal interests or donations or what party interest. But um Yeah, he's what, completely bought by yeah. corporate interests. If you look at his donations, it's all corporate interests. In all fact, corporate. he's a co-author, he's a co-author of a bill that helps Alaska. And I'm like, when did Alaska become part of the eighth congressional district? So I, it's really questionable, but it is one of the most ineffective Congress in history. They yes. passed 24 bills yeah. the whole time. That is pathetic. And yeah. people know it's a clown show in DC. We need mm-hmm. to clean it up. We need to elect new people. We need to get rid of the polarization. And we need reasonable people that can get things done that are willing to work Yes, uh, with yeah. agencies, with our governor's office. I mean, St- we missed a huge opportunity to bring lots of jobs back to the district because Stauber refused to work with our governor. And that is the wrong approach if you care yes. about your community. Exactly. And what you said about relationship building is really what we've been talking about here, even in in our organizing unit, because it's all about building relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, we were told to reach out to a mayor of a a local city. We had both heard that she was very um, polarized, very, Mm -hmm. very, you know, very far right. But, you know, we took the time we, we met with her and she's really become one of our strongest allies. I mean, I think in this area. Absolutely. And she's dynamic. She's intelligent. And, you know, she's she's very strong. And I think that probably scares some people. But we're like, you know, so we've met people that we were warned about and ended up becoming really good friends with them. And they've become really good allies of ours. So I think really understanding that, you know, don't just believe what you've heard about people. And even though they have a D behind their name or an R, you know, like it's still worth getting to know people and understanding where they're coming from and how we can really work together because it's really going to take all of us, mm-hmm. both sides working together, you know. To- and you know what, you're, you're not going to agree on 100% of things with everybody, but find where there's common ground, find it. Yes. And work on those issues where you you agree on and you can collaborate on. And I think that's what's missing in D.C. That's not happening anymore. So we we have to send different people there that can do the job. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, the Republican Party in Minnesota isn't doing very well. That's no secret. 
But how do you feel about the Republican Party in Minnesota supporting Donald Trump for president? Oh, it's such a disappointment that they are supporting Trump. You know, you know, there are a lot of people in the district voted for Trump. Right. But, but this is what I know and what I've learned about Minnesotans is that we are practical people. Mm-hmm. We do not want someone there that is corrupt, that has committed fraud. If we did half of the things that Trump is being accused of and will probably be convicted of, we would be in jail. Absolutely. No one is above the law. He is right. a citizen and we have he has to be treated fairly in a court of law to find out. But you don't give eight million dollars to China when you're president. You know, that's just that violates the Constitution. I think everyone in our district will agree we need to uphold our Constitution mm-hmm. and we have to investigate. But they want they don't want a fraud. They don't want a person that's committing fraud. And I think he's doing a lot of it for his own self-interest. So I hope folks um, in Minnesota will realize that Trump may not no longer be a good candidate for president. And the fact that Stauber endorsed him has really right. upset a lot of people. Absolutely. He upset his own base when he took some weird votes, uh, voted for Jim Jordan for speaker, but then you didn't vote for him on the second and third vote. So he may get primaried. He may decide not to run. I just saw a letter to the editor in a local paper in the district that said the only thing Stauber did right was to support Trump. But otherwise, he's he's not he's not good for our district, Stauber. So even those who support Trump don't think Stauber's doing a very good job. That's what uh, we for the district. Too. Yeah. Yep. So I'm I, you know, even if people are supporting Trump, they may have various reasons for it. But if they continue to f- support Stauber, it's only going to hurt our district more. We just can't go another two years with Stauber and yeah. uh, not not getting the opportunities we need to get get things going, get jobs. You know, mm-hmm. most people want their children and grandchildren to be able to move back home and find jobs and live and work in their small towns and their real communities. And none of that's happening under Stauber. I want, I want to take a step back for a second because um, the comment was made that he isn't showing up, right? He doesn't show up when he needs to. Um, I will say everything that we have just mentioned to you, you've you've showed up for us. Um, you showed up on the hottest day of the summer uh, for for our little music fest that wound up being a huge success and and helping us open our office. You showed up to do our grand opening. And it's the little things like that that you have showed up for uh, your song um, that that was dubbed off of I've Been Everywhere, man. I mean, we blast that, right? Because you have, you go everywhere, you meet people where they are. The offer was made for you to come here today. And I'm like, we can do this via Zoom and, you know, be, because I want you to have that important family time too right now, because I know you're not going to have it at a later date, right? And then when you're in Washington, you're really not going to have that important family time. So you you are showing up, you're doing what you say you would do. You you have a proven track record and we we are so excited that you have decided to, to run again. So yeah, thank you. It is, you know, it is a big sacrifice, but it's, I mean, what are we, our country is facing uh, weakening or it's, you know, there's a potential threat. It's, there's a threat to our democracy. So right. people have to step up. And for me, that's running again yeah. and speaking the truth, but listening and encouraging people to get out and vote, be engaged, mm-hmm. read valid sources of information, 
to understand what's really happening and to protect what our country was founded on. And that is our freedom, our independence, our right to vote is threatened. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my family is willing to, you know, let me do lots of things and be away from them to protect our country and our rights and our freedom. And that's what's at stake this election year. Really, that is fundamentally what's at stake um, in the big picture. And and we, we all need to step up. And I, we need lot. We need a big team. So I can't do this alone. Uh, no. You know, my husband's supportive, but I have an amazing campaign team mm-hmm. that's been with me from the beginning. And we've added more staff because we're going to do lots of field. Voter contact is really important. I mean, I want to knock on doors where they've never been knocked on before. People have been n- neglected by both parties. And, you know, supporters, we have hundreds of volunteers and supporters that support us. And we're, you know, it takes millions of dollars to run for Congress and to be an incumbent. And people have really stepped up. I mean, we get, we have over 6,000 individual donations and, that are on average under $100. So it's really amazing. And in a district that's, um, you know, much, the median income is much lower than the Twin Cities for them to step up and do that. But I will also say this is the easiest district to flip in the state. So we're hoping everyone across Minnesota will adopt the eighth and help us flip it back to blue. And it's been Democrat for, there's a reason it's been Democrat for 70, the last 77 years. We have this strong history of unions, of protecting working families and fighting for working families. And we need to get get back to that fundamental. Yeah, we've actually been talking to people to run for like the state house. And things like that. And a big reason a lot of them have have decided not to is a the the political environment and the toxicity and negativity around it, but also their family life and, you know, concern that, you know, it's going to adversely impact, you know, their home life. So we certainly recognize what a sacrifice it is. But I think it's so important, the message you're sending about Jim Oberstar, too, because a lot of the people who feel left out and left behind, it's because government isn't working for them, but government isn't working for them because Pete Sauber is, is your representative and he's not fighting for you the way Jim Oberstar did. So imagine if we have you in that seat fighting for Minnesota and Minnesotans in the eighth congressional district, like then government becomes effective again. If you put effective people in, in those positions. Well, you know, Starbucks good at blaming and complaining. And when he complains about border security uh, <laughs> and uh, prices of groceries, you have to push back and say, you're in Congress. You're in the majority. What are you doing about border security? Uh-huh. Are you passing legislation to address it? Uh-huh. And what are you doing about prices of groceries? You know, what, what are you doing about crime? You're there. Fix it. They're yeah. not fixing it because they want it. Those are all issues and fear drives people to vote. Yes. And a Republican just came out and said that um, represents a border community. A Republican basically said Republicans don't want to solve this because it works so well for them politically. Uh-huh. People need to know that. Yep. So Republicans are dragging their feet on compromising because it works for them to get elected, which is unbelievably wrong. So that. People just need to know that blaming and complaining. He complains. I see his his uh, fundraising emails, other emails that go out. He he focuses on those issues when he should be focusing on getting things done and solving all the problems he talks about. But he's not. He's he's not solving any problem. Um, he's just complaining about it, and that's not what we need. We need someone right. that's going to take positive action and yes. fix things. 
and work with others to get that done. We're done. I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so fed up with, with lame game that people have still like people that are going to go there and work hard. Mm-hmm. All right. Like going to Mexico for a photo op and complaining about the border, but how about coming back to Washington and doing the hard work of legislating and fixing the problem? Mm-hmm. How about that? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, it's so bad. They're so, they have done nothing. Two Republicans, oh. one stood up on the house floor, Representative Chiproy, and said, I have nothing to show. I have nothing to run on. This is a Republican. We've done nothing in this chamber <laughs> for the people. They're saying that out loud. Yes. And then another Republican recently said that on a news station. What yeah. are we going to run on? They, ha- they have done nothing. No, and no. that's what people, that's the takeaway here. It is. They've accomplished nothing for us. Now, if it wasn't for all the work that happened last session with the, infra- the infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act, I mean, people need to give credit where credit's due. And it was the Democrats that got all that done. Mm-hmm. Stauber voted against every solid, good piece of legislation. And he voted against veterans. He voted against that act to help veterans exposed to toxic chemicals and burn pits. Uh, yep. He supports cutting Medicare and Social Security. This was part of the Trump plan that he supported and planned from Paul Ryan and others. You know, a lot of people in our district depend on Social Security and Medicare. Yes. And they need to know that that's the Republican plan. And it's in the think tanks, the conservative think tanks. They're putting these plans together for the Republicans. That is their agenda. Mm-hmm. People need to know that. And I, I- if, you know, the Affordable Care Act came up for a vote, he would vote against the Affordable Care Act, which mil- covers millions of people on, you know, affordable insurance coverage. And if they tried to do a national ban on abortion, I also think he would support that. So, yeah, he is, he is uh, no friend of protecting our rights. Stauber, you know, uh, signed on to that Texas lawsuit to invalidate the election. That's taking away our voting rights. Yeah. He, and he he. <laughs> He is, he's voted the wrong way of our Minnesota values, even though he says he's protecting our way of life. What I learned when I drove all over the district for many, many months is that people want a better way of life. Yeah. They want a better way of life for themselves, for their children and their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And that's what they really care about. And yeah. he's, you know, and he's all, he talks a lot about mining, but honestly, nothing, he's done nothing to help <laughs> the mining companies. You know, mm-hmm. everything's in litigation in court and it, he hasn't created a space to bring everyone together to figure out how are we going to move forward if we need these minerals and not pollute the water. He hasn't done any of that hard work at all. Yeah. What's one question that you wish that we would have asked that we haven't? Well, you know, I often am asked, Jen, like, how do you do it all? I mean, how are you teaching at UMD? You did that while you were a state legislator, because in Minnesota, being a state legislator is part time uh, when it really is. Honestly, it's a full time job. And I'm a mom. And the most, you know, the most important uh, title that I wear or that I have is being a mom. That is number one, because I want my children uh, to be successful and um, give them skills and values and uh, make sure they're responsible uh, citizens. Uh, I think I've already mentioned this. You do it all. You take one day at a time. That's what's important. You take one day at a time and you be, do the best that you can do uh, and you show up and um, you have smart, hardworking people around you on your team and you bring people together on your team. So our goal is to get our team as big as possible, lots of supporters, 
and volunteers and really make this a grassroots effort, just like Wellstone did. You know, he was such, he was, they never thought he could win the Senate, but Mm -hmm. he worked really hard and he connected with people and he was genuine about why he was doing it. Mm -hmm. And he voted with them. Often he was the sole vote on an issue and he was outspoken and he uh, really reflected the values of Minnesotans. And that's, that's what you do, but you do one day at a time, but you do it with a big team. There's no way I could do this alone. So I'm, I'm really grateful for everything you're doing for your community and building back the DFL and some of the reddest parts of the district. But, and what I've noticed is that with districts, um, you know, legislative districts, house districts in the eighth, when they have good representation, they're doing well. Mm -hmm. When they don't, they don't do well. And we have many communities in our district that are struggling because they don't have good local representation. And, you know, and I was invited to a local chamber of commerce, lots of conservatives. They have Republican elected state legislators, and they were very upset because those legislators wouldn't even carry their capital bonding investment bills. That, mm-hmm. And that is a big no-no not to advocate for the projects your community needs. Right. Uh, and there's a there's a strong, you know, the econ and quant person in me, there's a strong correlation if you look at the data. Yeah. Have having a Republican represent you at the state capitol and not have having a Democrat. So we have to make sure all those communities are getting the resources they need. And they've been looked at, you know, other Democrats from other di- nearby districts are helping them. So there's a lot of people who are upset with their local electeds. And they're upset with Stauber because he's not working for our communities. But we plan, I plan on really getting out there. We're, we're going to do these Finding Common Ground tourists at local breweries throughout the district. And we're going to make those public. So we, we want, I want to hear from everyone. I don't care what your political party is. I don't care who you voted for. I want to know what you, your family, your community needs. And I want to know how to solve those problems. And that means listening. And part of that is we really need to repair the damage that Republicans have done by dividing us Mm -hmm. and not bringing us together. And we need leaders that can lead and bring people together, even though they don't agree on everything. And that's what this tour will be as well. So I'm excited to kick that off soon as well. When are you kicking that off and where well, we are uh, we're haven't yet announced publicly that we're running. We'll do that January 23rd. We're excited about that. And then we will be planning to do, I want to do multiple events in every community that we attend. Um, so we'll, we're going to do these during the winter months when it's cold and uh, people can come indoors and we can help our local businesses, the local breweries. We'll do it at coffee shops too and um, we'll have everything posted on our website for people to come and we'll get it in the local papers, put it on social media. So everyone knows about it. Okay. And your website is? It's Jen, J-E-N, Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, F-O-R, Jen Schultz for Congress.com. Okay. Jen Schultz for Congress.com. So, yeah, we need everyone to go online, sign up to volunteer, give Jen a donation, and uh, absolutely, we're, we're going to fight like heck to send Jen to, to, to Washington. Absolutely. Yeah. So here at the Pro Wing County DFL, um, we are located at 223 Washington Street in Brainerd, Minnesota. We are open for conversations. You guys can stop by. Jen will probably will be here a couple times in the, in the next months uh, leading up to election. We will try our best to get that out to you also.
and she will vote for the people, not the party. I can totally see her standing alone as as Paul Wellstone done many times on that floor. He stood up when nobody else would stand up. What's one of the the big things that you want our listeners to remember most about you, Jen? Oh, I want them to remember my name, Jen Schultz. There's a lot. Okay, this is funny, but you know, last in 2022, Jim Schultz was running. So one letter difference, Republican running for attorney general. Uh, and then there's another Schultz uh, Republican running for the state last state legislative seat in the eighth. But people just need to remember my name, Jen Schultz uh, for Congress. <laughs> uh, and when you see Schultz for Congress, that's my that's me, Jen Schultz in our uh, blue, red, white and blue signs. But um, they need to remember to vote at, at a minimum vote in the general election November 5th. And if people would love to see a lot of people show up for their local DFL caucuses, which are February 27th. And then the CD8 convention is May 4th at Cedar Lake Casino. And then the state convention, the DFL state convention is in Duluth, May 31st through June 2nd. So I hope people become delegates, show up, participate, help decide what is on our platform, what resolutions and issues they want us to fight for. Um, and as a reminder, people should read our platform now to, to really uh, highlight the things the DFL party cares about. And we need to bring back people to the party, especially young people. This is a very unique political party because it's Democrats. It's our farmers. We have a lot of farmers in the district and it's labor. It's our unions. It's collective bargaining and protecting unions. And it's a big tent and we need to make sure more people are under that tent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're actually working on planning for the precinct caucuses um, on February 27th, but we have a lot of new people who have never participated before. I think it's going to be a big one. So we're really excited, but we hope everyone wants to participate at a grassroots level and, like you said, help design our platform for the Minnesota Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Absolutely. Jen, it has been a pleasure to have our roundtable conversation. I can't wait to be with you in, in person again. But thank you so much for taking the time on a on a cold Saturday morning to join us. I'm so looking forward to, to working with you, working for you, and getting you uh, elected to do the people's work. Well, it's, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for all you're doing to build back the DFL in, in the Brainerd area and, you know, It's cold, but I've always been told there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. So we love, we love the snow and up north and we value that and it makes us more rugged. (laughs) I love the weather. Um, It's all really all I've known my whole life, but um, really hoping to get out in the snow today too. So thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to being there more often and to meeting a lot of people. A lot of people hopefully will listen to this too. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Jen.